I don't know about you, but it seems like I spend half my day on Zoom calls nowadays, and then the other half helping with like distance learning. 2020 is something else. And then after all that, you turn around and it's time to eat. So what do you do? DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada, and Australia, by the way, you can support your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. So many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code 1-O-N-E. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the app in the App Store and enter the code 1. Don't forget that's the code 1-O-N-E for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to another episode of 1% Better. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We are looking back at the aftermath of the cold season opener. So, Zach, before we get into what happened, let me let me give you let me sort of throw a pop quiz at you here. So, if I told you a team had 445 total yards versus <laughs> its opponents 241 yards, or I said that same team sacked the other team's quarterback four times and then was only sacked once, who do you think would have won? Team A or Team B? <laughs> Whichever team has Gardner Minshew, obviously. <laughs> of course, what they always say. And Team A in this scenario, folks, is the Colts. As you know from watching this game, I presume, down in Jacksonville, they lost 27-20 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's official. The Colts will never win a season opener. It's never going to happen. Not again in my lifetime. <laughs> I've given up on it. <laughs> so, yeah, look, this was stunning. I don't know if stunning is the right word, but it, it shouldn't have happened, I think, at minimum. It was not It was unexpected for sure. What were your words last week? Win the damn game? Yes, they did not. They did not. <laughs> they did not. So, all right, I think there's a lot of ways to look at this. All right, we were just talking right before we hit the record button. There is a lot of jumping out of windows, right, around Indianapolis right now. I thought we were going to be a Super Bowl team. and Oh, yeah. And But then there's also another way to look at it, right? They always lose the season opener, right? They lost the season opener when they went to the freaking AFC Championship game, right? Correct. But I just think this shouldn't have happened. And that's where I can't get my head around. This didn't happen. Should happen. not have happened. But let me ask you this. Philip Rivers was right. There was a lot of good. Was the bad enough to concern you moving forward? Because for me, it absolutely was. Yes. I actually said this on social media today. Uh, one of the things that I, I tried to convey was, look, this is not the worst loss in franchise history or anything. Okay. Like, trust me, I've seen a lot worse. That being said, I think for where we thought this team might be going this year, yeah, this loss... I think points to some potential issues. And so we'll outline a lot of them here as we move ahead. But I mean, certainly 
Uh, with Philip Rivers, we had some concerns. He did exactly what we thought he might do in a couple of instances, which is yeah. get himself in trouble. Yeah, We thought the defense needed to take a step forward. Didn't happen. I would not say that happened at all. Right? And I also would say that there were some disconcerting, or I guess a disconcerting lack of big playmaking from the big stars too. So that's another issue to sort of keep an eye on as we move forward. So uh, tell me your single biggest takeaway from this game, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm worried about Phillip Rivers. I am. Tell me. I didn't have a lot of confidence in him in the second half, and I thought we were always one play away from him throwing another pick. Um, Now, he had a good explanation for the interceptions after the game when we talked to him. I mean, he'd seen certain coverages, and they never did one thing, and then they did it Sunday. And, you know, to sort of shorten his answer, that's what happened. And and Frank Reich took the blame on himself. But, I mean, go back to the first drive. They were rolling. They made it look easy. And for me to sit here and weigh a 27-20 to loss to the Jaguars after they made, you know, as I wrote, they made Gardner Minshew look like Drew Brees today. The guy was 19 for 22. 19 for 20. 19 for 20. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And they moved the ball up and down the field, 445 total yards of offense, 220 more than the Jaguars, and they still found a way to lose. Um, how come the 2020 Colts look a whole lot like the 2019 Colts, despite the addition of DeForest Buckner, despite the addition of Phillip Rivers, despite Michael Pittman's arrival and Jonathan Taylor? This looked like last season, and that's concerning. Yeah. So let's let's go back to Rivers and, and put a put a sort of point on that um, topic there. I think with Rivers, so here's what I'd say. I'm not necessarily alarmed, but I'll tell you why. Because I think this is kind of who he is. Yeah, yeah. This is how he's been for 10 years. Now, he he showed today the full gamut of Phillip Rivers. Okay? Yep. He showed you the guy who is just impeccably efficient in some instances. He opened when this game today. he's good, he's really good and really accurate. Yeah. The way he opened the game today, I was like, oh, if this is what it's going to look like. In fact, that's what it did look like in training camp. I was like, if this is what it's going to look like, they're going to be tough to beat. Because they're moving the ball at will, frankly, up and down the field. And I'm thinking, all right, well, as long as you can balance that out with some good runs here and there, you, you make some kicks. <coughs> Another story. <laughs> And they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat, right? They I were figured. off and rolling. I yeah. mean, the, the Jaguars didn't know where the ball was going. They had Hines going. They had Campbell going. They had Hilton going. It looked easy. But then we got the other personality, the split personality of Philip yeah. Rivers, which is the YOLO Philip Rivers. Like, never seen a pass he didn't love, right? I mean, yep. look, they can fight over the hot potato and who's who's to blame, Frank Reich or Philip Rivers, but... Philip said it best. <laughs> he said, look, Frank always protects his players. It's what he does. Look, Philip Rivers, this is his 17th season, okay? So let's not let him off the hook too easy here, right? I mean, he's seen everything. He's been in every situation. And I think that's part. that was part of the allure of bringing him here, right? That he would, in, in situations where maybe they weren't optimum situations, a quarterback right. like that can be the difference. That's what I was told. That wasn't the case. So... I, I don't know. As I said, I'm not alarmed, but that's because I think he's revealing who he is, and that is sort of the problem. And and that's why the Colts can't play these types of games where a couple of mistakes can beat them. And and that's the thing. I mean, that's what it was today. They 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 were better than that team in a lot of ways. That's the problem. 
I mean, look, you can live with Phillip Rivers' interceptions if maybe he throws a couple touchdowns. He threw for 363 today, and I looked this up. Jacoby Brissett never threw for that last year in 15 starts, and that matters. And they were able to play more of an aggressive attack offensively. Now, Marlon Mack is, is a huge loss, and we'll get into that later. But the defense, what what the heck happened? I mean, this was a replay of what we saw in December last year in Jacksonville. Where was DeForest Buckner? I didn't think he made a play all day. Where was the secondary? Um, if they think Gardner Minshew is, is going to carve them up 19 for 20 for 173 yards and three touchdowns, they see Aaron Rodgers down the line. They see Lamar Jackson down the line. I mean, this is going to get bad if they don't get this fixed fast. And they have averaged the last six games going back to last November. They're giving up 30 points a game. Matt Eberflus needs to get this fixed and fast because they got him some pieces to work with in the offseason. And to me, it looked a whole hell of a lot like last year, and that's a huge problem. And so we'll dive deeper into the defense here in a minute. Uh, one of the things that I want to, to touch on, I think you just alluded to it there a little bit uh, in terms of getting Matt Eberflus some pieces, but it's bigger than Matt Eberflus, right? I think one of the things that, that I... I'm really sort of uh, harping on in my column is this issue I think of this season is different than the previous couple of seasons. And what I mean by that is I don't think there was a ton of pressure on Frank Reich or Chris Ballard really the last couple of years. First of all, last year, your yeah. freaking quarterback walked away, right? Two weeks before the season. So you're getting a pass. I don't know if you give them a pass, folks, but I'm giving them a pass on that. Okay, fine. Now, go back a year before that, 2018. That was a team that one year prior to that was, what, 4-12? and 12? So, where yeah. was the bar? The bar was like seven wins. Okay, yeah. just just do better. <laughs> and they went out there and they won 10 games, including 9 out of 10 to close, uh, to close the season. So, I think in a situation like that, I think they clearly and wildly exceeded expectations. So, again, I talked about that's 2018. 2019, we explained Andrew Luck, that situation. 2020, I think, is different. And I'll tell you why, at least in my opinion. This was the season, or this was the year, where they departed from their their usual handling of things. Okay, Correct. so what did they do? They went out there, they spent big money. They forked over a huge draft pick as well. First round pick for DeForest Buckner. I love the trade still, but it has to pay off, right? You, Frank Reich, okay, hey, you know what? My quarterback retired. Hey, Frank. Oh, excuse me. Hey, Chris Ballard, I need a quarterback. I need my guy. Well, right. he got him his guy, right? Yes, and that got was a Frank Reich move, and we all know that. But just right. in case anyone's unclear out there, Philip Rivers is here because of Frank Reich. Right. So so now here we are. Uh, certainly some some additional pieces as well. Uh, the You got the receiver in, in the second round. Much needed pick. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's healthy. So... They had a lot go they have a lot invested in this season and beyond true too but but they had a lot invested or have a lot invested in this season mm -hmm. and then you come up and lay an egg in week 1 I think it reflects very very poorly on Chris Ballard Frank Reich and to a lesser extent as you said Matt Eberflus and and so look no one's getting fired <laughs> that's not even yeah. that's yeah. not even the discussion here but I do think there is some accountability to be had this year. I just think this season is a reflection, uh, somewhat of a reflection on those guys. Again, and, and, and like it doesn't, said, doesn't mean anything for their futures like immediately, but I think in the long term. What what do you think? Am I am I crazy or am I on? To no, this needs to be brought up because 
there are high expectations in this town, and, and the man who decides all these moves, Jim Irsay, does not want to be sitting at home in January for a fourth time in five years. It's almost unthinkable after the guy, you know, it was a birth rate around here to go to the postseason with Peyton Manning and early in Andrew Luck's career. But as we were talking early, you know, I think before we even got onto the podcast tonight, week one is often a bad indicator on how a season's going to go. Now, maybe there, we need a little bit of perspective here. Um, the Colts never win the first game of the season, so maybe we should just assume they're going to find a way to lose. But um, there's a long way to go. You still like the pieces in place. This was a really, really bad debut. I don't think they're going to look like this in a couple of weeks. They sure as heck better not because they're going to pay much better teams. Um, but look at teams and the way they finish the year. Oftentimes, week one is not a good indicator. I can think of a couple examples over the years. Um but going back to your point, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there quietly is a lot on the line this year for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. And no, I don't think anything happens in terms of that. But I do think... No, like, they're still, like, two of the best in their profession. Like, I still really believe that. Yeah, but, and I think Jim Mercy believes but that, that doesn't mean that doesn't but mean you, you're above scrutiny. But you right. can't come out and do that. You right. can't. I mean, Frank Reich, Doug Marone got the best of him today in a lot of ways. He coached up a lot of those rookies, and they made plays, and, and the Colts didn't answer. And they looked lost sometimes. And it, ugh, I mean, why did, it, it just, I, I just am still trying to piece together how they found a way to lose to the Jaguars today. The Jaguars are supposed to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They're undefeated, and the Colts are 0-1, and they've got a much tougher Minnesota team coming into Lucas Oil next week. Before we go on, a quick word from DraftKings. Sure was nice seeing all the teams back on the gridiron this weekend. Sure you enjoyed that. Lucky for us, it was just week one. So there's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash in on a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout out their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code FAST during sign-up. For a limited time only, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hey, before we move on, I want to tell you about Fubo, the sports streaming service for all the biggest sports fans out there. Look, if you get the family plan you can have three different people watching at once the standard plan is just two but if you sign up now it's 15 percent off the first month and you get up to 30 hours of dvr you can watch local broadcasts and i know it's a tough time out there for a lot of folks if you wanted to save some money which we all do you can save 50 dollars 
uh, if you sign up today and it's more affordable than the other cable providers out there. Plus, you do get the NBC Sports national feed, which means Sunday night football every night. So if you're looking for a streaming service for the sports fan, Fubo TV is the answer. With the NFL season starting today, Fubo will not disappoint. You can stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You will not regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. I want to circle back to Frank Reich in particular. So I'll start by saying I heard from Frank after the game. And one of the things that I, I, I went away with or took away from that exchange is that he wants this one back. And what I mean by that is as a play caller. Yeah, I think he got a little bit carried away. What what, what the heck was Jacoby doing in there? <laughs> well, that's a whole other story, right? He, hey, listen, I will say this for Frank: he didn't lie to us. No, he told he us didn't. he told us that Jacoby would have a package. He had he definitely had a package. I, I don't even know that I fault Jacoby for the way that play ended. It was just it was dead on arrival. It just one one snap, six yard loss. Yeah, yeah. The Jaguar sniffed it out, and it was dead on arrival. But anyhow, what I would say is. Frank got maybe a little carried away. And and so it, this goes back to exactly what we were saying at the opening, which is they were clicking so well um, with the passing game early on. I mean, it was first down passes, second down passes, third down passes. It was like, we'll run oh, when we get around to it. it and yeah. he got a little carried away, I think, maybe. And so I think what happens there is if you get an incompletion on first down, now you're in a tough you end up in a tough third down situation and and that's where some of the bad plays came you know in those third down situations and i i think there's a relationship there between those plays and the plays that got them there you know and that's play calling frank has said this a million times you know 46 passes today to 22 runs and that's not how he wants to call the game it's really not i mean he had to do this early in andrew luck's 2018 season because they were so banged up on the line they didn't have what they wanted but you know with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor today I thought we would see a lot more of the run game when Mack went down obviously that changed but it's not like they were way behind and they had to throw the ball you need to see more balance and I think that's one of the things Frank Reich is going to be kicking himself when he watches the tape tomorrow they got a little ambitious with the passing game in those early downs like you mentioned then you're playing behind then Rivers makes a couple mistakes and all of a sudden the Jaguars are back in it but they were rolling early. I mean, those receivers were wide open. I thought they were going to hang 40 on the Jags. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword here because you know, as a football coach, you know, you are accustomed to doing what makes sense, right? And and what is working, right? And certainly throwing the ball was working for them. So like I don't I don't blame him for for saying, you know, for being wide-eyed and saying <laughs> Whoa, mama, you know, I got I get that part. That's the human in you. But at the same time, I think you also have to understand Philip Rivers and uh, he has just such an overwhelming trust in Rivers. I wonder if sometimes that can color his view of things. I don't know. Yeah. Frank Wright I, loves his players, right? You do know, you think, just, do you no. think Philip Rivers gives them the best chance to win this season? I think he does. Yeah. I don't think Brissett's the answer. Let's let's like walk some people off the ledge because I got a lot of Brissett tweets today. Um <laughs> But, I guess they figure, well, Brissett could lose to the Jaguars. I got those for sure. Yeah, right, but, yes. right, and he has. <laughs> Trust me, we know. <laughs> what What was the secondary doing? 
Rocky Sin, bad day. Xavier Rhodes, bad day. Malik Hooker, bad day. I mean, they had, they had the rookie Chenault carve them up. DJ Chark, I mean, he was terrific all day. And you go back to last year in Week 17, Gardner Minshew was like 45 for 58 for 500 yards and six touchdowns against you. I just – do the Jags just have the Colts number? I just don't understand this. Well, that's unsustainable for sure. Absolutely unsustainable. Um, Unless he's going to Canton, we just don't know it yet. (laughs) We were there for the start of it. (laughs) Okay, Right. Maybe we were in on the ground floor and didn't know it. So – Let's talk about just real briefly what I think the, you just mentioned one big facet of this, which is certainly the lack of defensive stops. But I think the the other factor here is just missed opportunities. Well, we talked about the interceptions, which are also missed opportunities because there there were plays to be made there. I think there were other guys open. I saw that one instance where Philip forces the ball to to Paris Campbell, who apparently now is his best his new best friend. Right, like dude, chill out. All right, you got other guys to throw to. Um, right, and then the other thing I would say is a couple of things. Number one, two for five in red zone conversions can't happen. Yeah. That's that, I mean, and Rivers knows that. He explained it. He's like, look, yep. I, we didn't punt today. He said, you know, we moved the ball almost five hundred yards. We didn't punt once. And we didn't finish in the red zone. And they had some penalties, and he missed Jack Doyle on a, on a sure bet touchdown, and he was killing himself for that. So it's not rocket science. They know what they did wrong. I think they'll see that on the take tomorrow. This game was absolutely there for the taking. The Colts beat the Colts, and we haven't gotten to T.Y. Hilton. Now, I don't know if they would have pushed this to overtime and won in overtime, but you sure as hell don't like to see your star receiver drop two balls on that final drive both of which were catchable, both of which we've seen T.Y. make that play a million times. And we asked him about it afterward, and he said, I lost the game. It's on me. And he said that kind of stuff before, and he was ticked off. But that's not what you want to see from your star receiver in a contract year with the game on the line. That's a a guy who delivers in that stage a lot of times. Um, You know, this is probably a little bit too ahead, but, you know, late in Reggie's career, he started dropping the football too. Hmm. Hey, you're speaking the truth, though. You know, it's interesting with T.Y., right before that possession, I'm trying to remember what, what happened right before that, the, the possession right before that. Uh, I think he was, I think Philip was forcing the ball to, it might have been Paris Campbell again, I can't remember. But anyhow, not that I have a problem with that, I'm just saying. I don't, Campbell was really good today. Yeah, Campbell was fine. Except for the penalty. I, I just, oh, that was just. That was inexcusable, but yeah. But what I what I wanted to see was you know them spreading the ball around like they were doing early, and sometimes he got a little he got a little bit away from that. So the I actually tweeted, Campbell, it looked like a rookie quarterback. I mean to interrupt yeah, you, but like he, he was, was double, tracking him was the covered. whole way. Yeah. yeah, and and right, he he talked about eye discipline, which he lacked. He had a lack of that eye discipline, meaning right. not looking off the defense and yeah. don't make it obvious court- where you're going with the football. Right, right, tracking that receiver the whole way. But what I was going to say was, right before that final series, I actually tweeted, like, where is T.Y. Hilton? Because I thought up to that point, <laughs> I thought he was underused, right? Yeah. And I still I still say that that was an accurate statement. And to Phillip's credit, he went to T.Y. on that final drive. And I thought those were two you know, pretty good throws. I thought they, they were they on were the catchable money. Catchable balls. Take, yeah. I'm taking those throws, yeah. Yeah. I thought the one, the deep ball... Uh, to the near sideline, I thought on that one, I thought for sure T.Y. had caught it. And he got the feet down. He did everything he needed to do. He just didn't come up with the ball at the very end of 
of the catch in terms of going all the way to the ground with the ball. I thought that's a tough catch for some guys. That is a routine catch for T.Y. Hilton. We We've see him, him do make that play. We saw him do it in camp. Yeah, we right. see him do it in practice every freaking day. And then the other one against Henderson, uh, I believe on the fourth down play to end the game. Henderson looks like he might be a good player, by the way. They're going to have to deal with that guy. He looked great today. Yeah, they're going to have to deal with that kid. I mean, he's a stud. He was a stud in college. Uh, he's going to be a good player. But anyhow, T.Y. has gotten the better of much better men than him. And uh, he couldn't get off that, that man coverage there. He couldn't make the play against the man coverage. And Henderson got the better of him. I mean, T.Y. said he dropped it. I think he had some help. I think Henderson played a role in that with the tight coverage. So, tough situation there. Um, I, I but think again, T.Y. will be fine. I, yeah. I just, you know, that's just why uncharacteristic. Not, that's why I think you don't, you don't get too obsessive over this loss. Because if their best players come through, they win the game, period. Now, yeah. and and if you if you trust anybody to bounce back, I would trust my best players. Like I I trust Darius Leonard to find a way to make a play next week. I trust Kenny Moore to find a way to make a play. I trust, right? You know, uh, I mentioned T. Y. Hilton, right? Certainly, yeah. T. Y. We know when he when he's down on himself, when he when he feels like he could have done more, he routinely bounces back in a major way. So I trust those guys. Uh, but let's talk about where there's going to be uh, sort of a, a shift in who you have to trust, and that's at running back. So the latest on Marlon Mack, I don't think we've clarified this yet. So I was told by two different sources today, Marlon Mack definitely has an Achilles injury. They think that's a, probably a ruptured Achilles. That would be a season-ending injury. That's a very, very tough injury for a running back. It's crushing news for a guy who's in a contract year, was well, had all kinds of potential uh, to to have an impact with this team this year, and clearly was still the lead dog. Okay, based on the way Frank Reich was handling things. Today. Yeah, and he and he looked like it in training camp, and he looked like it early Sunday. I'm crushed for Marlon Mack. He's a nice kid. He's quiet. He works his tail off. He's underpaid. This is his chance to cash in. And it it looked like a, a non-contact sort of thing where you just cut over the middle of the field and. It just looked like he turned his ankle. Um, and if it's an Achilles and it's ruptured and that's his year, that's brutal for Marlon Mack, one. Two, welcome to the NFL, Jonathan Taylor, because you're going to have to grow up fast. And I think he's got what it takes to do it. It's going to have to take a little bit of help from Jordan Wilkins and a lot of help from Naheem Hines. And I think Taylor's the kind of kid that can handle the raised expectations and the ex, you know the, the role that's going to expand in a huge way. He's been doing it already, yeah, in college. Man, I mean, you lose Marlon Mack in, in the second quarter of the first game. Um, good thing you drafted Jonathan Taylor in round two, that's for sure. Remember on draft night when <laughs> when they announced Jonathan Taylor to the Colts, we were kind of like, Rrr? <laughs> I mean, we were a little bit surprised. Like, I got it once they explained it. And, and I mean, he's a wonderful player, right? So I was now, like, all right, we'll yeah. bring it on. Let's, let's see what, the, what this kid can do. But at the same time, part of me was like, uh, Marlon Mack, <laughs> but I tell you, man, life is funny. Life is really funny sometimes because they would have been in a world of hurt because Naheem Hines, I love him, but he's not the guy you want to be the lead back. He's, he's kind of a, he's a Swiss army knife type of player, right? You don't want him being your 20 carry guy. You know, if you, ha if you were in a situation where he had to be the lead running back. Right. So thank 
their lucky stars, okay, they drafted Jonathan Taylor. And this is his opportunity to be a bona fide star in this league. He's got Quentin Nelson and a bunch of horses in front of him. And he's got 15 games pretty much all to himself. So this is your chance because yeah. Marlon Mack, and this is awful to say, but might, might have played his last game as a Colt today. And that's the unfair nature of this league. But, mm. um, man, the Colts, are they're glad they drafted Jonathan Taylor right now. Not a shot at Naheem Hines, who they used a lot today. And, by the way, scored the first two touchdowns of their season and looked really good doing it. Um, they're going to they're gonna go back to the committee approach. They're probably going to have Taylor as the lead back and, and use Hines in a couple different roles. You're going to see more Jordan Wilkins. But Marlon Mack is a special dude. He's a special running back, and, and he makes a lot of guys miss, and, and that's a big blow. That's going to be a tough one to overcome for this team. I, I do think – I want to pause here just real quick because – and not to move on too quickly because I think that's what I don't want to get lost here is that – all right, you've seen, if you've been paying attention to football the last few days, you have seen a ton of running backs suddenly getting contract extensions. It's like a yeah. fad now, right? Who Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, I'm missing a couple. And this kind of came out of the blue, right? This hasn't McCaffrey, been a, yeah. Yeah, certainly. This hasn't been a thing, right? Because running backs have been taken for granted now for, for the last few years. Uh, and, and I knew that the Colts weren't going to extend Marlon Mack. It was pretty clear. But I thought about that, and it's like, man, you know, here he is. He's going to have to go through this contract year, play this thing out, you know, on a fourth-round pick salary, which, you know, comparatively is nothing, right? Right, And for his role in the team. Sure, right. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to take up a collection for the guy, but at the same time, I realized, man, that's a tough spot to be in. I hope he can stay healthy. That was my and, thought, and, right? He's got to play and, this year at that brutal position. Running backs get one they get one shot at that second contract for yes. the most part. I mean, they really even as good as Marlon Mack is, you get you get one shot. You get to play 6 7 8 years. Yeah. It's oh. brutal. It's brutal. Uh I I just all we can do is hope for the best. They got to have an MRI on Monday. That'll confirm the extent of this thing, but I would brace for uh not great news, unfortunately. Right. So, we'll see what happens there. Ah. Uh, now, let's talk about I think the defense from the perspective of specifically what went wrong. We saw Gardner Minshew go 19 for 20. What right. I would like to know is, I think the biggest issue I saw was wide open windows. I saw passes not being contested. Contrast so that to what you saw at the end of the game from Henderson, right? He's blanketing T.Y. Hilton. Now, they weren't doing that all day, granted, but... The Colts, all right, let's let's go back to what we said earlier about this being sort of a referendum a little bit on Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and their progress. Chris Ballard looked at his secondary and basically said, you know what, we're going to cut Pierre Desir and I'm going to replace him with Xavier Rose. What? <laughs> like, is that an upgrade? I don't know about that. And I think there was an opportunity to do something about cornerback and they kind of took... Uh, they kind of went shopping at Goodwill there, you know, and I wonder if that was the way to go. I don't know that answer, but I think this didn't do anything but raise questions today. Uh, what are your thoughts about how they handled the personnel in the secondary? And do you think this is just what they are right now? Well, early returns are not good. Let's <laughs> just call it what it is. Yeah. And I'm starting to have questions about 
Matt Eberflus's scheme. You know, why, why are they, I ask myself this 15 times a game. Why are these DBs so far off the receivers? They're getting free releases on the line, and they're making easy throws, easy catches. And, Especially and when like, they're throwing quick, which yeah, is what Gardner they were Gardner Minshew made good throws on Sunday, but he made throws that NFL quarterbacks can make in their sleep because his guys were so open, and they weren't long bombs, and he wasn't fitting them into tight windows for the most part. Now, I think they thought DeForest Buckner was going to make everybody better on the defense, including the secondary, and they could probably skimp a little bit in the secondary, right? Those are not first-round picks. They didn't give Rhodes a lot of money. Um, now, Rakusin's a second-round guy, but, you know, that was the biggest area of concern I had going into this season, and I've said it on this podcast a hundred times, was I'm just not sold on the secondary until I see it on a Sunday in the regular season because camp doesn't mean a thing with that position. Now I'm really concerned because Rocky Sin looked a little bit like last year. Rhodes didn't do anything. Kenny Moore did not make the splash plays we usually see. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a legit concern moving forward. And, and you thought the pass rush would help the secondary. And there were instances of that for sure. But for the most part, Minshew had time to throw and he had open receivers to throw to. And it's to the point now where I'm starting to wonder if this Tampa 2 scheme is really going to work in the long haul for this team. Because... If you don't have the pass rush like a Mathis or a Freeney, then everything else needs to be better. And, and the linebackers weren't particularly great today. The pass rush was not great. They did have four sacks, but it felt like Minshew had time. Justin Houston had a big play. Um, a couple other guys had some sacks. But the secondary, it was a concern of mine. It's even more so a concern right now. So one of the things that I think happened here, too, is that Jay Gruden, as the offense coordinator for Jacksonville, he out-schemed them. And what he did was he had a lot of quick throws in his attack yeah. today, which is just, you know, something he's always employed. And that goes back to working with his brother in Tampa years ago. That was their t- plan of attack back then. He's still doing that now. And what that did was neutralize the defensive front. So the Jaguars had to come into this game looking at the Colts depth chart and saying, okay, well, where are we most vulnerable? Well, right. up front, right? I mean, they know the front seven is the heart of that defense. And so what they did was they neutralized them. And so they're doing five-step drops and throwing quick slants and quick outs, completing 19 of 20 of them. And so it does sort of neutralize what you're able to do. Uh, they, they did get some good contributions from the young running back, but I don't think that was really a big difference in the game for the most part. He, he made a couple big plays, and I give yeah, him credit. Yeah, I mean, he had 62 yards, which yeah. is a nice day, but he didn't overtake the game. Really. But right, that's not why they lost, right? So I think really it was the opportunity to, to make really high percentage throws for them today is what was the difference. I mean, Gardner Minshew, 19 for 20, three touchdown passes, uh, a couple of them wide open. It can't happen, man. So I, I just think how are you, how are you going to – Figure that out because this is a problem that goes back to last season with uh, the the New Orleans game, right? What did they do? They couldn't get a rush on Breeze because everything was coming out quick. And they couldn't stay with these guys uh, because these routes were so quick and they make one move and boom, the ball's there. One break and the ball's there. Now, I think that means you have to get more aggressive in coverage. And we'll see whether they do that. Personally, uh, I want to see that. I want to see a lot more of that. And and Iberflis has proven to be pretty good at uh, designing his game plan for the particular offense they're seeing that week and changing things up if he has to. And I thought this defense was pretty good three quarters of the way through last season. Then it all fell apart in December. Now they need to figure some things out because this defense we saw Sunday looked a whole lot like what we saw last December. 
And if that continues, then Matt Eberflus is going to have some questions to answer. And here's something we know about the NFL, right? Until you prove that you've figured it out, teams are going to keep hitting you the same way. They're going to continue to attack you in the same fashion until you have proven you can stop them. So Adam Thielen and the the Vikings are sitting back when they watch the tape this week, and they're going to be thinking, okay, we got something for them, right? And they probably won't be wrong because other teams have had success with it too. So you got to stop it or you're going to continue to see it. That's the bottom line. You know, you got to find a way to get in these passing lanes, either have some press coverage. I don't know what you do, but it has to be something different than what we saw today. You got to get more aggressive. I think it's not even necessarily about blitzing more and that type of thing. That's not the type of aggressiveness I'm talking about. I mean, they got four sacks. They got some pressure. The problem isn't there. The problem is they're having guys catching the ball wide open and completely uncontested catches. And that, in the NFL, that's a losing proposition. I mean, no one completes 19 of 20 passes, right? Unless you have really high percentage throws. You get used to that in this defense, right? They give up a lot underneath. They give up a lot of completions. They usually stiffen in the red zone and and hold them to a field goal. There was none of that in the red zone. There were wide-open receivers in the red zone, and, and Minshew took advantage. And if that doesn't work then you got nothing. Then this defense doesn't do anything for you. So Matt Eberflus needs to figure this out fast. They started to play a little bit better in the second half, but obviously it wasn't enough. And and this is, this is a concerning trend moving forward. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said earlier. You're going to see some higher octane offenses than the one you saw on Sunday. So buckle up. Right? If you don't get this fixed, you're not going to be in for a long season. So, And I don't think, again, they're going to continue to neutralize – the strength of the defense by throwing quick unless you figure out a solution what they've got to do is they got to either redirect these guys or do a better job of getting in the passing lane so the quarterback has to hold the ball if his first read is open he's throwing the ball and the play is over (laughs) and and the Forrest Buckner's barely out of his freaking stance so you've got to find a way and and until they can do that I don't know what they I, I don't know that this gets better I'll give them I'll give them next week and we'll see how this goes but if the trend continues then uh, then you got a real problem. Definitely got a real problem. Um, let's talk about the kicking situation. I, I don't know if it's a situation, but but certainly we don't want to be talking about missed field goals. What and would here a we Colts are. game be without a missed field goal? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a tradition now, apparently. Uh, so I talked earlier again, going circling back to – Chris Ballard and and Frank Reich to some extent, you know, sort of putting themselves out there this year, right? They took some chances. They did. They deviated from their norm a little bit. And here's another decision they made. They went with the rookie kicker. I'm not suggesting that Chase McLaughlin would have made that kick. I don't know. But the kicker they decided on missed a 30-yard kick in a one-possession game. Concerned? No. Um... He made some others, and on my list of concerns right now, Rodrigo is just not that high. Um, I think you can live with a a missed kick once in a while. He's a young kid. He's 23. He's going to miss some this season. Um, But, yeah, it hurt. It hurt in a one-possession game. Um, But to be honest, I I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to have to learn through some lumps, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I I think sometimes you can – you know, like a shooter in basketball, you know, you just – you don't follow through on the shot maybe, and – 
you know, you hook the kick a little bit. It may, hopefully, it's one quick. of those. It was like he just pulled it. I think he just got a little quick with his yeah. with his follow through and just. I mean, it was just a. But he did bounce back and he did make another one later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if that continues into week two and three, like we saw last year, then it's going to be a serious problem. So I think that's where I'm at with it. Right. Let's keep an eye on it. It definitely yeah. it definitely bears monitoring. Right. And and we'll have to see it. And, and at some point, if it doesn't, if it proves to be an issue, then we'll have to circle back to who made the decision and, and figure out whether that was a mistake. But I'm with you. I think give it time. But man, this is the NFL though, right? This is not Georgia where, you know, right. probably three or four or five of your games, you're a heavy, uh, you're, you're a heavy favorite and you can withstand a miss like that. Right. Uh, in the NFL, what is it? 70% of games or one possession games generally. Look, so you can't, you can't have it. You can't miss. You can't miss much more, to be no. honest. You got to you know, be automatic. He, he won the job for now. That doesn't mean he keeps the job the rest of the season. And right. The Colts cannot continue to have kicking be an issue. Um, we know how that went last year. Yeah, they they know that this is sort of a, a trial situation. They know that, and I, I think they've acknowledged that with this kicker. But uh, they believe in his upside and believe in his his pure talent. And I think they believe that from a talent standpoint – he was superior to Chase McLaughlin. Now, does that mean he's as reliable? I don't know. We will see. So, oh boy. So here we are, Zach. On one. But they're coming home from Minnesota. We will see. There's an opportunity every Sunday. So uh, we'll see what that brings. It's going to be an interesting week, though, certainly at Colts headquarters. The fun and part is you never know what's going to happen. We thought they were going to roll on Sunday, and they played like that. So we'll see how they bounce back. <laughs> they got a lot of good players. And they better be fired up next week against Minnesota because the way they finished that one in Jacksonville, um, that's going to leave a bitter taste in their mouths. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention Frank Reich's decision before the game today, which I thought was interesting. Uh, During the Star Spangled Banner, he took a knee. His players stood and locked arms in the show of unity. I thought that was interesting because certainly taking a knee was not something that was unique today, right? Because a lot of teams and players did that. What's unique here is I think the symbolism, which is I'll be the one to take the bullets and take the criticism if there is any, or it, even looked at looking at it another way, like, like Frank said, he said, he said, um, I'm a prominent white coach with some, you know, within a position of authority. And he thought it was important for him to make that statement. And I think I give him a lot of credit for that. I think this is an extension of the leadership that he shows in many other ways. And I think he, that way he takes his players off the hook. He doesn't put the pressure on them to decide to do something or not do something or any of that. Cause you know, those, those are real emotions that guys have to go through. Do I want to do this? Do I want to put myself out there? Uh, So anyhow, I, I think that was a great solution to doing it. People won't like it in some cases and that's fine. And he knows that, but, but I thought, his players probably really appreciated the way he handled that today. So yeah, I know they do. And this was a this was a group decision. Then the players were on board and and they were supportive of Frank Reich. And it it stood out to me in a day where we saw a lot of teams do a lot of different things. You know, a single coach kneeling in front of an entire team that's that's standing arm in arm. It was a very very telling moment uh, for this team. And Frank's taking some bullets as we would expect. Um, but I can tell you they love that guy in that locker room. 
Yeah, no, no question about that. So pretty powerful moment there. And uh, I think this season will continue to have you know, some, some pretty striking moments. I don't think we've seen the last of it, so stay tuned. So anyhow, um, lots of rainbows and sunshine for you, folks. Hey, <laughs> you came here for real and honest, Sam. We gave it to you. Right. It's just one week, but it was an ugly, ugly week. Yeah, so hey, we'll be back in, later in the week with our uh, episode looking forward to the next game, uh, week two uh, against Minnesota. Uh, but for now, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. We appreciate you listening. Uh, thank you for subscribing to The Athletic, and we'll talk to you later this week. This is 1% Better.